Hello and welcome to the Journey Further podcast, a show all about learning from the people and businesses who are on a mission to do things differently. Today's guest is Marissa Thomas. She is the head of brand at Bloom and Wild and also the person behind their thoughtful marketing movement. Now, this is all about how brands can be more considerate in their communications. And it started when Bloom and Wild gave their customers the chance to opt out of comms around Mother's Day. Now, though, there are hundreds of brands and many agencies signed up from Wagamama to Treatwell and Chili's, all vowing to take a more thoughtful approach to their marketing. As you'll hear, though, with everything that's going on in the world at the moment, from COVID to Black Lives Matter, the importance of being more thoughtful in your marketing is huge and also presents a great opportunity for brands who do it well. If you like what you hear in this episode, please hit subscribe to stay up to date. Let's go. Marissa, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it. I have to start by asking you the question which we start all of our discussions with on the Journey Further podcast, and that is, what's the wrong you want to write? I'd love to change the way that we as marketers look at our customers. So the wrong that I want to write is, let's stop calling customers consumers or our target audience and start seeing them as people. That's really interesting. And I guess, I mean, there's so much to play into this and, and, and you, you're already making kind of headway in this, in this area. Before we kind of dig into that, I guess, then when did you start having this kind of realization that the way that businesses talk about their customers was problematic? I think it starts early on in your career. For me, um, and I see it happen all the time, nobody challenges the habits or behaviors that uh, businesses are doing day to day um, when it comes to like talking about customers or marketing or the way that you do things. I think change and innovation exists when it's about optimization or a new piece of tech. Um, but we don't often like challenge the way that we're looking at the people that we want to do something. And if we're in marketing, uh, that that's the customer. I think that actually evolving our mindset to think about the customer in a different way and to see them as human is like something that falls behind but when you're like early on in your career you you just you follow these habits and these phrases like pe people talking about the consumer and what the consumer wants and how they behave and often that whole process can happen without anybody like really thinking about the fact that uh even though it might be your the person you're trying to reach might not be reflected in the room that you're sat in you could probably go and find that person and start to talk to them and um that particularly within the digital world i wonder whether that's like um it's easier to log onto a platform and analyze data and think that you understand your audience rather than um speak to the people that you're trying to reach reach out to with your message or your product well so we, we have so many tools at our disposal and data points at our disposal it's it can what well, it can sometimes be a distraction to what you're actually the the truth you're actually trying to find yeah completely i think um i have this real love-hate relationship with the data that we have around our audiences um there's so much wealth and opportunity to be learned by being able to collect information on how how people are interacting with what we're putting out within a digital world but I think there is the nuance that is just is really just missing like and data can't tell you that full story um, particularly if people are staying silent like if we only think about 
a British audience, for example, we're a bunch of people that are really polite and don't say what we mean. So if we don't do that within conversation, uh, how is any tool able to analyse that, like, that nuance if somebody is opening an email that you're sending them, for example, but hating it? We're not like culturally, we're not people that <laughs> reply to that email like I didn't like this. Please, could you improve it? And like so those moments we have to we've got to be conscious that you need to start to speak to people a little bit more to really understand um, beyond someone converting or not. Like if they actually are liking what you're saying or not. And there's there's a huge difference as particularly um, when we're obsessed with direct response. Digital marketing is like really perpetuated this. Uh, that success is based off of like an instant reaction and there's a kind of disregard for what you might be doing to a relationship with somebody that you're trying to build as a brand speaking to a person by just looking at that data I uh (laughs) I think like a good way of looking at it I don't know if you've ever done this is you can go you can look at your google ad settings to see like what information they have on you and how they target you um and I think for mine They've got my age range as 18 to 54, which is just like uh, super interesting. But then um, like a lot of the things that they think I'm interested in are like parenting or um, or childcare. I get targeted with clear blue adverts all the time and I'm married to a woman and my chances of being pregnant are really, really low. <laughs> and it's definitely not something I'm interested in. But, you know, that they're selling that information to advertisers like they're thinking that they're targeting that audience and nobody's like having these discussions to really pick up on the nuances within people um we're trusting that data a little bit too much yeah and i guess so through your career and where you've come to now as head of brand at bloom and wild do you kind of feel like you've kind of ended up in the right spot for in in terms of pursuit of what you think can change with this problem yeah definitely i think that that thought or that passion has really crystallized whilst being at Bloom and Wild. Um, the reason for that, I think, is the first um, is the first environment that I've been in where the acknowledgement or the realization on my half that you can't just let the marketing team be the person championing the customer. Um, it, like it's really brought to life the ways that we speak to our customers every day is through our customer delight team, and that like rethinking the way that the conversations that we have with our customers can be useful for us as a brand versus we just need to hire a team that can deal with complaints um, has really opened up the fact that actually, if beyond when someone has a bad time, you create a place where customers can start to have a dialogue with you on their very individual experiences, you can start to take that information and realize like what you should be doing as a brand to start to be a brand for them. Um, and then, of course, layer on your marketing objectives. <laughs> mm. Now, that's interesting because obviously Bloom and Wild are quite well known for having a really strong expertise and technology uh, front as well. So you're kind of in an interesting position where you're you're kind of balancing all these things. I wanted to dig into a, a little bit then what, what some people may have already heard of, um, but something which kind of transpired earlier on this year, the, the thoughtful marketing movement. Um, and I guess very much ties in ties into the wrong you're trying to write. Um, could you give a little bit of background to the thoughtful marketing movement and how that how that came about? I can, um, and I love talking about it. Um, so, because of that culture that I just described, this um, the closeness to our customer, and also um, the way that we operate, meaning that 
our customer delight team truly like they're they are the ones sharing with us how our customers are feeling we really like from a brand side from a marketing side um even from a tech and a product side like we really listen to that to try and understand um what we should be doing to improve our customers experiences a couple of years ago um, as a flower company you can imagine mother's day is a really important time of year for us and uh, it's also a time of year where suddenly for a month all of our emails are about mother's day we increase the number of communications that we're sending out across both our kind of retention channels as well as acquisition and we had a couple of customers calling in or writing in and asking to unsubscribe and our customer delight team started to kind of try to uncover like why this was happening it wasn't a huge number but enough for it to start to feel a bit like a trend rather than specifically just clicking the unsubscribe thing and making that a silent action they were reaching out to us um, so there was a bit of anger or upset there and it was actually because Mother's Day wasn't relevant to them then that could be for a number of reasons it's people that no longer have their mother or um, don't feel like they have a mother or don't have that relationship with them um, also people that do but just they don't they don't buy for them at Mother's Day um, so they fed back this information and when we were planning our Mother's Day campaign in 2019 we kind of thought about what could we do to just kind of make sure that this this doesn't happen again? How can we listen to this handful of customers, really like, you know, less than 10 that we'd heard from, but enough for us to think what I was talking about earlier, like the British politeness and like how many people are silently suffering here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we offered, um, we spoke to the tech team and kind of figured out that we could probably um, find a way to send our customers an email before we started to talk about Mother's Day and say, hey, if you don't want this message, that like, click here, we'll opt you out of Mother's Day emails, but you'll still be opted into emails overall. Um, and then from a content perspective, we just had to create double the number of emails, right? Ones for Mother's Day, ones without, still give them inspiration. They'd still get the same offers, which was really important to us. Like we want to value you as a customer in the same way, even if you're not buying for an occasion uh, that's important to us as a business we know that that you still that you still want to get our email so why would we stop giving you discounts and uh, we I guess we kind of thought like we thought the big job was in like getting the tech set up so that that was really seamless and you know ensuring that people were going to get the right message plus you know some additional creative and copy work so we sent the email out on a Sunday, not really thinking that it was going to become this big thing. Um, suddenly, all of us were scrabbling to get on Twitter, Instagram, um, help out the customer delight team with the like influx of positive messages we were getting from our customers. But what we were really hearing is that, oh, I've just never been asked this by a brand before. This is really like people were the reason that it created this noise that we weren't expecting is because like without really acknowledging it, we were allowing people our customers to have a say in what they hear from from us and it's actually quite novel um and and that was wonderful like along with that there was great press coverage uh, um mps kind of debated the idea in parliament around whether they should kind of encourage that as a guideline um and then through from 2019 to planning mother's day for this year uh we saw more companies starting to offer opt-out we kind of from a from afar we're like this is a really great thing we're seeing more moments where people on Twitter are saying oh this is so lovely like brands are starting to ask me this um like whether or not they're affected directly by that sensitive occasion it's like it felt like a real change in 
consumers starting to trust brands again, which is quite hard to do um, mm. at the moment. Um, but we wanted to do more. We were like, OK, this is great. Like now quite a few brands are doing it, but there are lots of brands that aren't. And if we if we truly actually care about our customers um, having a better experience, we've got to acknowledge that they don't just shop with us. Um, so could we find a way to encourage other brands to start to spread this message and commit to offering opt out? And that's the thoughtful marketing movement. Uh, so we launched that in March and the idea was to um, get people to kind of uh, get businesses to champion, talk about and sign up to committing to offering opt out. Um, what we realized is a lot of companies had thought about it and were just really like the first hurdle, particularly for maybe non-digital first uh, companies or larger organizations with more complex structures the idea of doing it felt like it was going to take a lot of tech that they just didn't have the capability to do um so for us it, for us we were like okay our place in this beyond trying to get people to sign up is actually offering resources and our time to just speak to those businesses and help them figure out how to do it um so that's what we did we had 130 brands sign up to the thoughtful marketing movement um, but just to speak a little bit into where that's gone since March, um, obviously the, the, the kind of principle and the way that we founded it was around offering customers a choice during sensitive occasions um, and making that exist beyond email as well. So how you can think about all your communications, how you can change your site experience, like um, kind of complex tech stuff as well as um, the brand facing messaging. Uh, but then lockdown happened and we realized we'd started to build this community of companies that had held their hand up and said, like, we want to be more thoughtful. Um, so we reached out to those brands that had signed up and started to have conversations around how are you responding to the pandemic? Like, how are you being thoughtful to your customers that are going through this huge shift in their lives? Um, some on furlough, some losing jobs, a lot of people feeling generally anxious um, and it became a really great space where we could kind of share ideas across brands and really different sectors of how we were trying to be more thoughtful. Um, and that was practical ideas like maybe don't call out payday um, through to how do you pick um, like if you're in a position where you are able to continue trading, like how do you pick a, like a charity or a thing or, or, or a thing or an organization to support during this time um, to the more lighthearted stuff like, okay, how do we become useful for our customers at the moment? Are there, is there content that we could be creating for them that gives them a bit of a break from the panic? Um, so that was a really wonderful thing. And then it kind of continued from there. As we got into June, there was a lot of stuff through, like more like from, from a societal perspective, we had the Black Lives Matter movement. And again, a lot of brands really unsure on how to behave and respond um, so we did the same thing. We kind of spoke to the community, asked if they were thinking about a way to respond, if they were unsure on how to act or how to behave and tried to pull it back again into marketing and actually, OK, let's focus on the people that we're trying to reach to reach. Are we reaching the communities um, that are affected by this? Like, could we be doing more from a practical marketing perspective? So. We ran a panel around how to be more thoughtful and champion minority communities, not just black people, but other people of color as well as the LGBT um, plus community. Um, and 
it's been really incredible how this idea of thoughtfulness and what I spoke about at the start, seeing people as people, um, it, like it can all tie into how marketing can play a part in doing good. That's fascinating. And there's, there's so much to unpack. I guess that thing which you said around a lot of brands, like a, a, an occasion might come up like Mother's Day, for example, or it could be something really societal and, and, and global like COVID or the Black Lives Matter movement. But that question which brands raise of like, well, how do we know what, how do we know what to say or how shall we say it? And I guess what you're saying is really interesting is that the, the answer is like, well, what do your what do your audience, what do your customers or what do the people who who buy from you think about this? And I guess well, what, what are the what are the ways in for people to start getting that insight? I guess if a brand wants to start understanding more about those people, what advice would you give so they can start kind of tackling that? There are so many ways to start to speak to our customers that it, sometimes it can feel really hard to like truly do it, but really really simple things like for us we started a facebook group community which we didn't have before which has become a place where we invite customers who are already shopping with us more frequently than our average um, to share their experiences with us but it also gives us access to start talking to them Um, and i guess the first step is starting to be a bit more open with your customers and like we want your we we want your opinion like it doesn't we might, we might not change anything, um, but we're going to also be a little bit more open with you about the journey that we're on and the things that we want to change. If, if you're worried about how to start to communicate to your customers about uh, yeah, issues from a sensitive occasion through to like a huge, um, yeah, a huge societal issue or um, a global pandemic, um, I guess start by um, letting your customers know that you're taking a new approach, which is we want to understand from you what you like, how we fit into your lives um, and ask questions that instead of creating strategies of like, how do we how do we be the go to brand for our customers and how are we there at all touch points? Maybe just have a chat to them about like when like when do you find it most interesting to like hear from us? So we've done this in a few ways. Um, We've done a similar thing with Instagram where people that we know that are engaging with us, we've invited them into private DMs where we ask them more questions around like, what do they like about our content? What don't they? Instead of instead of inferring it from the engagement data we have on our posts, why don't mm. you just ask a handful of them? We asked 50 to begin with and it's um, those conversations can be really rich and you can learn a lot. And also like, speaking on the phone, we've done a lot of that this year as well. Um, emailing your customer base and asking if anybody is free for a chat and um, letting them know what your intentions are if it's about a specific moment um, call that out Um, try not to be so secretive it's interesting where you say about being kind of honest where you're at with the journey because uh, I know I kind of personally felt this around the the Black Lives Matter movement and what our communication should be as as a company around it and it was that kind of wrestling with it to an extent of well I don't feel like we've done enough ourselves in our business or in our industry to then make make a bold claim of of support however however sort of true that is it, you can easily very easily question yourself and go well is it disingenuous to suddenly make noise about this when we haven't done it before I think that's what we heard a lot um, and we were in the same position and uh, like specifically on black lives matter I think because we'd 
already started to have that honesty with our customers that's the approach that we took like we we showed support but we also put in the time and a, a lot of long days like prior to like showing our support to really be like right we need to wake up on a couple of these things let's start to figure out where we feel like we're like we're not supporting black people for example like and within this case and how as a business we can actually start to make some tangible actions so there's a support of the movement and then I guess for us it was about showing our customers that we're showing support because we understand that the underlying issue is systemic racism and as a business there's loads of stuff that we can do there um so while um, us posting a black tile like could feel performative we detailed out underneath like here are like some the quick actions that we're starting to take from now which is um, featuring more black people and supporting more um, black creators um, to taking a look at our media and publishing list like are we reaching people in the places where they are does disproportionately do white people receive more offers from us because we go for larger publishers that are more mass and therefore have a more mainstream or white audience um, through to our influencer bases and we started to kind of really clearly detail out like here's stuff that we know we can start to fix uh, now and by that admission saying that we haven't done enough yet um, and then also sharing the more longer term stuff and again, being honest with that, like when it comes to hiring, being like, we're going to start sharing more. It's a long process. It's hard for us to um, give kind of immediate action. But we saw really great, really great response from that. And by great response, I guess I don't mean engagement. I think the the richness that was coming back and people sending us messages or thanking us or thanking us or making other suggestions was let us know that we were doing the right thing even though we might not have got the message right um and that's a really important thing actually i think some of the acronyms we were using at the start when we were began to talk about the black lives matter movement we had our followers comment and say oh actually i i would prefer it if you used this term or or whatever it might be mm. and we listened to that and directly in real time said thank you like either we're um, we're updating the post, but we're going to like make a point that we updated this post on which dates, like starting to truly the same way that you would if you were having a conversation with somebody and it was uncomfortable being like, OK, I'm listening. Like, thank you for telling me that. And you can you can you can have that behavior as a brand. You've got to you've got to be human. No one's expecting um, you to only talk about it once it's right, because it's also kind of insulting to kind of only talk about something once you think it's right, because it's, it's probably still not. <laughs> Hey there, if you're enjoying the show so far, I would love for you to help more people discover Marissa's story around the thoughtful marketing movement. You can do this by just leaving a quick review or rating in your podcast app. I would really appreciate it. Now back to the conversation. We live in a world now, I guess, where people, whether they like it or not, are so much more connected to brands than they were in a sort of pre-social media, I guess, in particular age. And I guess, yeah, as you're sort of alluding to, a lot of businesses are sort of yet to catch up with the fact that people are judging them on more than just their product and what they sell, right? Exactly. And I, and I guess it comes back to that, I guess more where other businesses might face a challenge is that if they don't necessarily have their values really clearly defined, that can also, I guess, 
pose a problem in terms of how they want to communicate or how they kind of want to tackle some of these issues. I guess, how do you guys at Bloom and Wild approach kind of marrying up those things of your sort of values as a business with how you then communicate and be more thoughtful? Um, you're right. And I guess it, it's very easy for me to say this, knowing that um, I get to work for a brand where the values have just always been so strong to begin with. So things like launching the thoughtful marketing movement, offering opt-out, um, finding ways to be helpful for our customers um, at the start of lockdown, um, finding ways to improve um, following the Black Lives Matter um, movement. We already had the right foundation. And I guess, uh, yeah, that's, that is absolutely the, the starting point is internal culture. And I think culture is the reason why we offered opt-out in the first place. So it's hard, I guess, if you're, if you're a business owner or if you're in charge of that, it, it's about, it has to start from the top. If there are a bunch of people within the company that have these values, but the, the, the leadership of any company aren't saying that things that are important to them are the customer or honesty or um, being open, um, caring, being thoughtful, it's going to be really hard to do. And, it, and whatever you do will, will feel performative. Um, you could offer an opt-out email, but if you're not truly committing to um, the work afterwards to make sure that those customers still receive emails from you or that your website is a little bit more sensitive. It's kind of, um, it doesn't work. Um, so for us at Bloom and Wild, thoughtfulness, for example, is something that we realize is more important than we'd maybe um, identified, but it was already inherently part of the nature of the business. So we have a person from kind of all all areas of the business that is kind of tasked or given license to think about thoughtfulness and make sure that we're touching it across all places. So setting an objective that we want to continually be thoughtful um, and listen to our customers is a um, creates a really great open culture where you can start to make those differences. Um, a good example of kind of where that started to shift within our our business is actually around inclusivity for of our website um, for disabled people and like how and that's a lot of like tech implementation, um, but it also impacts design and the colors that we use. And um, we have people in the business that just they feel empowered to champion that. Uh, and then that that draws our attention to it. And then across all areas from marketing to tech to um, where, wherever else we start to think about it. So if you're working at a place where it doesn't already feel like that's there and you're not in the senior leadership of that business, if you really care about it, you've just got to start making some noise and, and hope that the people that are able to kind of make the cultural shift in your business can start to be like, okay, let's reevaluate what's important to us. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, yeah, it's not just the gestures, the grand gestures that you might make on social media and your uh, sort of outward facing communications it's like work you might put in that people unless they were struggling to read your website would never like 95 percent of people wouldn't appreciate or wouldn't know has happened um and, and and i guess it's part of the part of the thing of 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 companies starting to think in this more thoughtful way ultimately is once they can kind of see the benefits of that happening I guess what have you seen so far obviously it's kind of 
everyone is in their early stages of exploring this, but you guys are kind of um, applying a lot of attention to it. What what are you kind of seeing as the of, of the benefits of thinking in this different way, whether that's internally as a business or externally with your with your customers? I'll start like internally. I think it does wonders for employee engagement, which like is already high anyway. Um, to know that as a business, like we're committed to um, doing things that put people's feelings on a par with performance targets. Um, and that's, it makes you feel really proud to be part of that. Um, so we didn't know how like opt out was going to go, but we kind of, for us, it wasn't like, oh, how many people are we not going to be messaging about Mother's Day or like, what if people are opting out, even though Mother's Day is relevant for them and we might be able to convert them. It was just like, that wasn't a matter that, that didn't matter. And I think you can feel that through the business that everyone's really proud of that and the same with um things that we've done post post mother's day that have been kind of more thoughtful led um and then from uh kind of external facing the the people that are engaging with our brand or seeing us from afar or already customers i think um although hard to quantify like we do we get this reaction across social media of people being alerted to us not through our advertising but through thoughtful things that we've done um and coming to us from that which is which is incredible and remarkable and for existing customers we hear it in the feedback a lot like beyond our product being amazing or beyond our service being efficient and wonderful um they they come back to us because they they believe in our values as a business like they're, they're seeing it being lived through and i think that makes you feel proud um, and there are there are brands that do this really well. Like Patagonia is a great example of you feel proud when you're when you're wearing their clothes because of what they do. Yeah. And I think for us that's wonderful if, if if people start to feel proud when they when they send a gift a gift with us or buy flowers for themselves, not just because it's a wonderful gift, but because they feel like the company they're buying from is trying to do its bit to make things a little bit better. That's really interesting about, as you kind of say, that a sort of decision-making structure or criteria that I guess now everyone, as you say, has got so much more access to to data. Like one person is making their decision on a CPC, one person's making their decision on a subscriber count. But there are often things which is like, well, actually, the first port of call is answering this key question of why we exist as a business and how we want to behave then we could look at X, Y, and Z. But yeah, that's an interesting way of, of yeah, pulling people all back to the same grand vision, I guess. Looking, looking ahead uh, into the future, what do you kind of see as being the core behaviours of a, of a truly thoughtful brand in the future? I'm hoping like more honesty across the board. Um, like thoughtfulness has, like there's so many applications, I think, um, scratching the surface on um beyond diversity like inclusion and how brands can can realize that there are there are a group of people that of course are going to be like core to them or are going to shop with them but if they can start to um be more available and be more seen by other communities all the brands that we're exposed to will just start to feel a little bit a little bit more real a little bit more human um more familiar like when you when you're sat on a train carriage when it's a normal time um you're not sat with a bunch of people that look the same as you and 
um, how how we can reflect the experiences that people are having in the real world within the way that brands portray themselves. Um, I know that that's maybe a little bit abstract in terms of how I think thoughtfulness can get us there, but I think how that manifests is if we're seeing loads of stuff from brands as you're scrolling through an Instagram feed, like, wouldn't it be wonderful if they weren't just trying to sell you this, like, idea of perfect and instead, like, showing you a little bit more reality? And then on that reality point, brands being more open and honest. I love, um, Everlane's a great example of, I, I really like their idea around radical transparency, how they how they break down why a jumper costs $90. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, I'd love to see more of that. That's another way, way of being thoughtful, um, being thoughtful about your supply chain or being thoughtful to the fact that why should your customer be the person that has to figure out how to make an ethical choice? Um, so there's like there are so many applications to it. I'm also hoping that this, I feel like we've scratched the surface on this idea of bespoke marketing. We, as marketers, we know all about personalization and we create segments and we give people different offers or different content or different pictures based off of what we predict might happen. But why don't we give the customers the choice to kind of elect what they want to see as well? Um, We've started to do it with sensitive uh, occasions, but could we do it actually for just different types of content? I think letting, letting them curate what they see from you or elect what they get sent could be really interesting. Yeah, I was speaking to uh, my colleague Kim just a couple of days ago ahead of this because I sent out a message saying I was speaking to you. Um, And she said she's expecting her first baby in like three or four weeks time. And she was like, I'm being bombarded with just like anything about pregnancy, babies, anything. And she was like, she was kind of like, "It, it could be completely overwhelming for someone like there's already so much to deal with and yeah for some people if they don't have a good experience or something goes wrong it's just like that could be even more sort of triggering so yeah I think that as you say it's it's starting where we are now but hopefully in the future that the the, the sort of more thoughtful approach can be applied across like those big advertising ecosystems as well I think you've touched on something really um interesting and I think that example is one where it only takes a second of actually being thoughtful to realize how painful that could be if um, if somebody has a bad experience um, and that kind of it, it kind of moves it into the space of like whose responsibility is this is it the individual business or is it the platforms where we're advertising on um, mm. and how can if you think about things that have really like industry has a, as a whole has had to shift things like um, accepting cookies or GDPR those are big initiatives that had to come from a bigger body in order for an industry to change. Um, so yeah, I think if it was like blue sky thinking, it's like actually like does there need to be an acknowledgement um, at a policy level that um, like something should be done to avoid situations like that happening um, like within your web browser? Is it that there should be a way to like select that? And I know it would come with I didn't, the marketer side of me is just like, oh, but everyone would just say they don't want to receive anything. But that's a really rich example, I think, the the, the journey of what you're targeted with through pregnancy and what could happen um, is like it can't be solved by one baby brand deciding not to target people in that way. Because I, I guess that what I also think about this is when something flares up in the media and then you see a boycott of Facebook and a boycott of Google or 
And then it all kind of settles down again and probably almost all those brands turn their campaigns back on a, 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 a couple of weeks later and it's just like frustrating that it's like clearly that isn't having any kind of impact. Like, do you, do you feel like those advertising networks need to do a lot more or can do a lot more? Or do you think, as you say, it's actually, this is ultimately going to be a much bigger thing that needs to be dictated from the top? It's really hard. I think if it's dictated from the top, it will be dictated in a way that's complicated to understand and easy to find a loophole. Mm. Um, but at like a platform level, the the if we think about the duopoly and where most of our money is going, uh, I think it's going to be really hard for um, us to see kind of like a willingness to like want to change. Or yeah, if we talk about the Facebook boycott, it's kind of like even the companies that were able to be in a position to boycott were the ones that don't kind of rely on direct response on those platforms anyway. Um, their, their, their brand building on those platforms. And yeah, yeah it's, um, I think it's, is definitely a pickle which is why um like i feel comfortable within like what we can do as a as as an individual brand and how we can try and encourage more brands to do it but um yeah to take it up a level and to kind of create real change it's you know and then like let's take it off of the digital space um if we go back to mother's day like we can never avoid the fact that there are people that are going to have to walk around with um shop windows that will say like mother's day sunday the x um and and maybe that's maybe that's okay, but maybe it isn't. Um, it's hard. I think it's definitely not like a binary uh, problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a tricky thing to solve. Um, I guess what we all can do though, whether Facebook or Google like help with this, or whether a government decides that um, there should be some rules in place to kind of avoid people having unnecessarily painful experiences when being targeted with advertising, um, is as individual businesses and brands hold hold those ideas when we're when we're when we're planning things and try and think about ways that at least we're not adding to the problem because it's a problem that might like few people have like within like if we're talking specifically around sensitive occasions and and if it's to do with loss it's not the case for everybody which is why it's hard to make the case to offer something like opt out in the first yeah. place because yeah. it's like oh it doesn't affect everybody um but the people but does that does that mean that you shouldn't care about it? Um, because the people that it does affect, it can be really horrible. Well, that's why it's it's so interesting, I think, because if the idea of, of advertising and marketing is creating value beyond the actual core product itself, like you could think about thoughtfulness in, in exactly the same way. It's like, as you say, someone is willing to pay £90 for a T-shirt because they know that, it's been thoughtfully produced and as you say as, as perhaps the um the, the digital space just becomes an ultimately data driven game to play the way that value will be created in future is through that connection which you can build in in, in other ways marissa it's been it's been fascinating speaking with you i've got three final questions to ask you um firstly what did you used to believe that you no longer believe in? I used to think that everybody knew what they were doing. <laughs> and I I don't believe that now. I guess like on a personal level, like that's helped me like with like imposter syndrome or like feeling like everybody's like <laughs> killing it whilst I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? Um, but yeah, that's like, I think that's the top thing I tell myself whenever I start to feel like either 
this is a problem that can't be solved because it would have been solved already or um, or on a personal level, if I feel like not super confident, it's like knowing that what I thought about other people or other businesses, like not everybody doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, no, I, I completely sort of subscribe to that as well. I think you, despite what you, what you try and tell yourself to give yourself confidence, I guess, in what you're doing and you actually only know a minuscule amount of what you what could be known and it's good to remind yourself of that angry when did you kind of have that that realization or start sort of having that as a as a personal kind of value or personal kind of mantra I'm not sure I reckon it's only in the last couple of years and it's it's twofold right I think it's one telling yourself that that you also don't know everything so that you stop like you challenge your own assumptions and you stay curious um and I think I probably learned that through uh the benefit of data is actually like the way that you think people are going to behave often isn't the way that they behave and so and then on the like also realizing that <laughs> other people don't always know they might seem like they know what they're they they're doing or they know everything but they don't it's something that I still find hard like I, I tell myself but I don't actually always follow mm. it kind of ties into that comparing yourself to to everything and everyone and uh yeah i think i'm probably still on that journey of like realizing that yeah yeah sorry my my cat is screaming in the background that's okay what's your we've had i've had quite a few pets join us during during remote podcast recordings what's your cat's name please oh (laughs) he's called mr meowgi mr meowgi fantastic uh yeah um he's an oriental short hair so he's named after mr meowgi the uh sensei uh (laughs) is it is it him sorry mr yes obviously I'll try and give him a shout out in the uh, up top. Um, secondly, if this wasn't your mission, what would be? I think my second mission, if it wasn't this, would be to, uh, this is something that I've only realised this week, to encourage more silliness. I think everything has become very serious. I was chatting to someone earlier in the week and reflecting on um the more irreverent ads that we used to see on TV in the 90s. Um, so I mean it from like a marketing perspective, like things could like could do with being a bit more silly, um, but more broadly, how we approach tasks, how we approach work, how we approach la- life. Um, I think play and being playful is really underrated. Everyone would benefit from a bit more silliness. Cool. And finally, if you could recommend one book for members of the Journey Further book club to read, what would it be? I'm hoping it's not already been recommended, but I read at the start of lockdown, I read Dave Trott's One Plus One Equals Three. And it's really fantastic. I read it in the day. It's really digestible, really easy to consume, but it really broadened like my thinking on a lot of things like from a creative perspective but also like reflecting on values personally and then how you bring them forward in the the workplace um so it 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 shifted my thinking a lot so it's definitely um high up on my list at the moment it it was actually one of the first books we read probably like a couple of years ago uh and i uh, really enjoyed it as well i think like we chose it because performance marketing agency lots of data analysts and there's always this question of creativity it's like well are you a creative or you're a data person and I think that book just reading it is yeah so many interesting stories and examples of creativity isn't graphic design or doing an advertising campaign it's just thinking around a problem in a different way I love like the the core thing that I took away like and it was right at the start is this like 
the way that he kind of talks through like how creativity happens and it's like the more experiences you have the more able your brain is to start to make connections and it's just like that thinking like really yeah like transformed the way that I was approaching things and yeah exactly as you say like being creative it does not mean that you need to be um a creative (laughs) no thank you that's a fantastic recommendation um, Marissa, it's, it's been a pleasure speaking to you and learning a bit more about um, about what you're doing at Bloom and Wild and this idea of, of thoughtfulness and, and where that can hopefully take us to a sort of more positive place in the world. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. As ever, thanks for listening to the very end. If you liked that, I would really recommend checking out the episode I recorded with Tom Goodwin recently, all about celebrating empathy. There's so much interesting and some related stuff in there around marketing and innovation. If you haven't already joined the Journey Further Book Club, now is the time. We're about to head into Q4 and start a new theme all around problem solving. We're going to be featuring all sorts of interesting reads from Seth Godin, Sam Conniff and others and breaking down all the key ideas from these books straight into your inbox every week. For more info on how it works, just click the link in the show notes or head straight to journeyfurther.com and you can sign up for free. I'll be back next Tuesday with another episode. See you then.